Meine Biber haben Fieber, oh die Armen. Will sich keiner denn den armen Tieren erbarmen? Meine Biber haben Fieber, Fieber schreit der Farmdirektor Sieber. Hätte ich selber lieber Fieber und den Bibern ginge es gut. Humanity with Adam Brodsky. This is my podcast, so I must be Adam Brodsky. And uh, we are here today. We're talking with, we're going to talk with, uh, I, well, I have an interview with uh, Brad Yoder queued up with you, and that was a little, uh, little German song that he sang for us at some point during the interview. But um, so we'll get to that in a second. It is the uh, end of March, and I was thinking today that uh, Villanova, uh, uh, you know, near here in Philadelphia, Villanova is in the uh, final four. And it takes me back, which got me thinking about. Um, amongst the things of which I was thinking about this week. Um, Villanova, the last time Villanova won it all was in 1985 when they were as uh, as an eight seed upset a one seed. That probably was at Georgetown with John, John Thompson, is that his name? Anyway, the four-corner stall, I don't know how that goes. Anyway, the, um, um, I don't remember the specific details. Here's what I do remember about 1985. The um, right after they won the couple of days after the weekend after the after they won the national championship, I was going to get drunk for the first time, and I knew I was going to get drunk. I was always the designated driver guy. I'm still not a big drinker to this day. I'm not. I'm not good at it. Even some nights at home when I'm thinking I'm going to get drunk, I just fail to do so. I can't consume enough. I don't like the anyway. The point is, I was going to get drunk because I had a, a couple of good friends. Anne Marie's parents went out of town, and Anne Marie. I hope I'm. I wonder if her parents listen to the podcast because I'm about to spill the beans on you, Anne Marie. Um, Anne Marie's parents went out of town, and so she was going to throw a party, and I was going to get drunk at this party. And 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 the other thing is, Anne Marie had a friend, Anne Marie's best friend, Karen. Uh, I was was like the. Uh, I was desperately in love with Karen because she was pretty and nice to me, and um, it's mostly uh, that that uh, that's almost still all, all that it takes, and so. Um, this was going to be the big moment because I was going to get drunk, uh, um, and obviously the reason that she didn't love me like I loved her clearly was she hadn't seen me drunk yet, and as soon as she saw drunk Adam, it would all fall into place, and she said, ah, oh, it makes perfect sense now. So Karen I was going to get drunk, and Karen was going to be there, and uh, uh, the, 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 the happily ever after portion of my life or whatever was going to start. Well, Villanova won the national championship, and... And and Emery was so nervous about this. Uh, uh, I I do remember we actually had to sneak in. I think she I think she drove. Her parents had a Chevy Celebrity, and so like we drove in and and uh, we had to uh, uh, dive down on the floor so none of her neighbors would see us coming into the house. And she pulled into the garage, and then we were at the party. Um, and Karen, of course, at the last minute decided not to come to the party because Karen was going to go to uh, Villanova and jump on top of cars, uh, uh, as young people do when uh, when teams win national championships. And Karen, of course, made the right decision. And I think, and I might be getting part of this wrong, that I think the main reason that she went was there was a guy named um, let's let's call him Chaz Blue. Now that's not his that's not his real name, but his real name was that good also. Like Chaz Blue, like he had like this amazing name, and he was as good looking as his name would imply. I mean, and um, and she of course was crazy into him because uh, because she because he was you know so and and I think 
I don't, I honestly don't know whether Chaz ended up gay, like whether he actually was gay or whether we sort of projected that on him because it made him seem less threatening to us. Uh, um, uh, but, but he might have actually been, it's such a blur. But anyway, but she was going to follow uh, Chaz, let's call him, down to Villanova to jump on cars. And I was crestfallen, to say the least. Also, it turns out, this is where I learned that all right, I'm going to tell this story, and it, it doesn't, I, I don't, I, I'm not the good guy here. Uh, so I we go to the house, and we sneak in, and we start to get drunk, and we, I don't know for sure, but it, it's a, there's a pretty decent chance we were getting drunk on Seagram's wine coolers. Um, I, it was, you know, it was 1985, that's what you, that's so, but, but, so I, so I got drunk, and what I decided to do um, was to see how much my friends loved me, and to test them about such. So what I did, oh my god, I haven't said this out loud in a while, but what I did was uh, uh, um, I got very drunk uh, and then I went to the front door and I opened the front door and closed the front door loudly and then went and hid under Anne-Marie's bed or some bed in the house to see how long it would take for my friends to miss me. And I don't remember how long it took, but when they did find out that I was gone, there was much there was much ado because Anne Marie, who wasn't supposed to be having a party, now theoretically had one of her uh, idiot friends just wandering around the suburbs of Newtown in this little development, and this 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 uh, 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 troubled her greatly. So she sent Kevin out to look for me, and uh, uh, and then Kevin came back. And then there's another thing is Anne-Marie had a dog. Now, I remember this dog as being tiny and yappy, but a little bit mean. Um, and you had to sort of be introduced to the dog in the right way. You had to be, hello, dog. Hello, here's a treat. You know, so Kevin comes back in the door without the proper introduction, reintroduction. And uh, Kevin, I think, leans down to say hi to the dog. And the dog takes a bite out of Kevin's face. And, um, and, and so... Kevin puts his hand up to his face, pulls his hand down from his face, and there's friggin' blood everywhere. Now, at this point, I think I had finally, I had actually been out. I think I, I came out of the, came out from under the bed and said, surprise, aren't I clever? And so, uh, so now, because I had been the designated driver for all this time, uh, uh, um, I had, all this time, I'd been driving for, what, a year and a half, two years? So, uh... Uh, uh, Alex comes to me and says, "Oh my God, Kevin, there's blood!" And he sounded—he actually sounded just like, uh, just like Norman Bates in, uh, um, uh, in, in Psycho. Blood, mother, blood! And he comes to me, he says, "There's so much blood." Now there's so much blood. So Amory's party is not really going as she had planned. Um, so now what do we do? Because now we've got Kevin bleeding. Well, Kevin's mom is a nurse, it turns out. So somebody—not me, because I was drunk—but somebody who probably was also drunk drives the car all the way to uh, uh, Kevin's house where Kevin's mom stitches his face up um, and sends him on back. And he comes back to the party, which is pretty remarkable. And then I do remember uh, 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 one of the funniest things. Amory is a very sweet girl, and she's a, now, a, I assume, a very sweet woman. We're Facebook friends. So I, sh I should go down there to Maryland where she lives and have dinner with her sometime. Um, but she, uh, 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 Kevin said, 
I, uh, 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 Kevin says, my, my, my face hurts because his face hurt. And Anne-Marie said, it's killing me, which is a very funny thing to say, but it, but coming from sweet Anne-Marie, uh, I mean, her name is Anne-Marie, for fuck's sakes. Anyway, so that is my lasting memory of the last time Villanova went this far in the, uh, in the tournament. So hopefully they will... Uh, they will succeed and win, uh, but enough about that. It is time that we talk to Brad Yoder because we have a nice, a nice conversation. Um, I went to, uh, um, I, I swung by. I was out in Cleveland and Ohio, and I, uh, I talked to Phil Stinson. That's coming up next week um, or the week after. And then, but I, but I, I had this great little conversation with Brad Yoder, and it's, I, I hope you enjoy it. Brad is a really good guy, and uh, and an impresario uh, in. Um, in Pittsburgh, and a, and a good guy to know, and I'm happy to call him a friend. And we had a really great conversation. It's sort of interesting that he's a very religious. He's not a very. He's a religious guy, and I am the opposite of that. And uh, and yet, uh, we're still we're still friends because uh, whatever. So anyway, uh, ha- have a listen. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Rhymes against humanity with Adam Brodsky, and here is my talk with uh, Brad Yoder. Uh, oh, it turns out, as you'll hear, he was also uh, uh, recruited to be a spy. Hello and welcome to Rhymes Against Humanity. Um, this this uh, uh, this is a weird one. I, um, I just uh, watched uh, Brad Yoder and uh, Devin Sproul and oh, who's the other the other woman? Judith Avers and Judith Avers play a little house concert. Uh, I'm swinging back here on my way uh, back home. I am almost home, and uh, um, and and Brad's out here in Pittsburgh. And so we're gonna talk we're gonna talk with my with my buddy Brad Yoder. We have we he has. We're going to talk about some fascinating parts of his story, and we are going to hear uh, some of his songs. But the first thing we're going to talk about is, what's this lumberjack strap you got going on? <laughs> you don't play, you have a regular guitar strap, it's like crisscrossy in the back. It's called a slider strap. I started using it back when I had some tendonitis problems in the 90s. Okay. And it's just balanced. It puts the guitar squarely over your... Uh, Shoulders, so okay. the weight's more evenly distributed. You can, if you Google slider straps, you can go online and buy one. It's a little more complicated to put put on and take off, but yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I, somehow I think you, you seem to manage all right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So so, and, but it works for you. Yeah, I like it. Right. I'm used to it now. Okay, so just yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. Slider straps. Slider they straps. Should, they should endorse, they they sh- you? No, but they should. You got it right. Yeah. yeah. Do you know anybody else that? I don't. I just and I've had this one forever. I just fixed it. Actually, I had to like sew it and put duct tape on it. You know, so oh. it tore through. So. Oh, you got to write a letter to that. Yeah, you should be the. I want to see you on the back of acoustic guitar magazine. <laughs> the slider strap. Yeah. yeah. Before and after pictures. Of scoliosis. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Brad Yoder is is talking to me, and like when I first contacted him, I was going out to uh, to Cleveland and and Bowling Green, and I said, "Would you like to ca- me to catch you on the way out or on the way back?" And you said. I can't catch you on the way out because May 6th through 10th, I am going, and this, I love this, I am going to visit my Amish relatives in Costa Rica. Yeah, that's true. Which I, I thought you were fucking with me, <laughs> but that's a true thing. That's a true thing. So tell me of this. Okay, so my father grew up Amish. He grew up beachy Amish, which is a less conservative variety of Amish. They drive cars in dark colors and have electricity, but they don't have televisions or radios. And Okay, that's what? Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. It is. It sounds made up. It's Right, uh, yeah. No, you I'm, know, I'm, apparently, as I understand it, you could buy a, a used red car, like a well-used red car, <laughs> but a new red car is right out. God and, hates that. <laughs> it's just too worldly. 
Um, so, but what about like fuel injection? Is that okay? I don't, Are there rules? I don't know. They, you got to draw the line somewhere. Okay. That's the point. You know, <laughs> the place you draw the line ends up being a little arbitrary. <laughs> you know? Well, I know that that in a lot of those communities, they have electricity in their houses because they have profoundly retarded, uh, uh, developmentally disabled children because of the inbreeding. Um, yeah, I think that's a probably different group, but I. Well, not you. I'm not accusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Though, certainly, if I look at my own family tree, there are people who show up in multiple places. So a lot of cousins, a lot of, um, a lot of double first cousins, which is where two brothers marry two sisters oh. from different families. Right? Okay, you know what okay, I mean? Sure. Like, which, you know. Like on the same day? Or? Nah, sometimes it's happened. But uh, um, so anyway, my my father's beachy Amish. Beachy beachy Amish uh, is what my my father became Mennonite when he married my mom, which was kind of like going from Catholic to Episcopalian. It wasn't like a big step at that point. But is is that a shunning? Is that no shunning? And the beachy don't shun. Oh okay, yeah, they're they're chiller than that. All right, yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah, actually, funny story. So I'm visiting my I went with my dad, who's 76, down to visit my uncle Sanford, his oldest brother. That's what we call in – that's a mitzvah is what you did. That's a very good deed. Well, I got to go to Costa Rica, which has amazing birds and waterfalls and fruit. And I, yeah. I saw monkeys. All uh, right. You know, I got fed really well. Uh, the roads are terrible, but, you know, nothing's yeah, sure. perfect. But it was it was beautiful. And um, my Uncle Sanford, I learned, mm-hmm. now listens to Voice of America News on his computer streaming because he doesn't own a radio. Well, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So the technology gives you more loopholes, apparently. Um, But yeah, so I was there at this this family reunion. I learned the names of all 10 of his children, who are my first cousins, and their spouses. Is there a mnemonic device for that? No, but they were all pretty much all there in a room. So I could like, I just went around. I had a a little list in my pocket. And then I would go around and be like, okay, that's... Let's see. That's Uncle Nate. I mean, that's my cousin Nate and his wife Vicky, and that's pa- Pablo. And uh, well, let's Eunice. let's not bury the lead here. How do you get to Costa Rica? Uh, we just flew. No, yeah. I mean, how do you be Amish and get to Costa Rica? Well, you gotta want to spread Jesus around. You know. Oh, okay. So they went on a mission. They and went on a mission. They never came home. And they, yeah, they started. You know, churches down there. And um. See now, I don't think I think of of the Amish as as separate. As yeah, not, not... they are the most Amish groups are not very Evangel- evangelical, yeah, okay, right? right? You know, um, and the Beachy are more so. And actually, the churches they started down there are now kind of non denominational. Um, they're not officially. And are they dressed with the beards and like? I yeah, think of... yeah, the beards and and pretty plain dress. The women are all in, in cape dresses and okay. and coverings. Even the, you know, the local. Women, the local local native Costa Ricans, who have joined the church. Um, so uh, so yeah, and they sing you know these kind of pretty white gospel sounding hymns, except with all Spanish words. <laughs> That's <laughs> although the, hilarious. The, my San San youngest daughter has is part of a, a church that actually has some guitars and some more Latin sounding music in it. <laughs> So, you know, the stretch, stretching have... the boundaries of the 
stretching the back. I, I <laughs> was completely ignorant to this, to, yeah. to beachy Amish. Well, yeah, it's a it's a pretty small variety. Uh, there's a there's a whole lot more other kinds of Amish than now. Do the do the uh, the hardcore uh, old old school Amish look down on the beaches? I don't know. My, my, fa- my father could answer that question. Um, I have a hunch that they probably don't, although they may feel like they kind of, like, you know, the beachy kind of lost their way at some point. <laughs> but, I mean, so, and I think there's probably a lot of parallels to different Jewish groups. Oh, yeah. Where, on the one hand, more conservative Jewish groups are probably feel a, a brotherly kinship sisterly kinship to all jews and what even what if they secretly or less secretly believe that they they got it right and everybody oh yeah, yeah. The, the orthodox conservative <laughs> yeah. reform and then there's the uh um uh uh the ref uh, uh josh why am i skipping the word the reconstructionist mm-hmm. uh, are the are the hippies you know they're they're practically uh-huh. unitarians and or as my dad calls them the goyim <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah but my dad my you, you've heard uh, george carlin's bit anybody driving faster than you is in is a maniac anybody driving slower than you is an idiot <laughs> that's right and my dad sort of liked that with his judaism yeah like right he, the, the people more religious than him are idiots or more what are they, what are these Michigan? yeah and the people less religious than him are, oh come on are you goyim <laughs> so right yeah so anyway, well that I, was so, so you had to get a good time. With I had a relatives. lovely time. They're beautiful people. They're very kind and generous, and you know they fed me a lot. And they, we we now, went saw places. What I think of shoe fly pie and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I don't think I had shoe fly pie, but certainly I've, I've had it at family gatherings before. But even in Costa Rica, they traditionally well, in, in some some in, it's a mixture now because they you know they cook. Some Costa Rican type foods. They have a uh, gallo pinto, which is yeah. You, you have rice and beans like three times a day in Costa Rica, but for breakfast you have the rice and beans mixed together with each other in this kind mixed of mixed together. Yeah, right. I don't think God's into that, <laughs> and it's probably not kosher. And then and then for lunch and dinner you have them separate. There's like a pile of rice and a pile of beans. But... <laughs> well, that's makes one. Okay, well, this I can. But the breakfast version is called. It, I think it literally, literally means speckled rooster. Okay. Gallo pinto, pinto. and it's uh, the rice and beans are it's like red beans and rice. Right. It's, it's mixed. So they they have that, but uh, yeah, I saw you know waterfalls and a non-active volcano, and I heard my cousin's stories of being there as kids. They actually had to move when the volcano erupted. And, really? Yeah. So uh, so yeah, and and a couple of those families live in Ohio, so I'll probably see them the next time they come to Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, it's that, and and maybe again, you know, thinking about your Jewish heritage, you can relate to being in a group and and simultaneously feeling completely at home and deeply connected, um, and also <laughs> wondering. Is anybody going to ask you like the wrong question? <laughs> <laughs> At which point, you know, are you going to be? Uh, is somebody is going to be like, oh, we knew it. You know? <laughs> 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 yes, but uh, tr- totally true. But That's... but I, I, you know, I I feel, um, yeah, they're they're loving folks. So so you grew up Mennonite. Then. I grew up Mennonite. I'm still Mennonite. Okay, um, yeah. You know, I attend Pittsburgh Mennonite Church. Okay, and uh, I. Uh, yeah, it's a thing, you know, You there's a lot of things you could be growing up, um, obviously. You could grow yeah. up um, Baha'i or Baptist or 
Orthodox Jew or I like you, you know, put Baha'i in there. I, I, <laughs> well, my my bass player is Baha'i. All right. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of things you could be, and um, I, I guess I at this point I feel like I know how to be Mennonite, and I know what I like about being Mennonite. And so that's sort of what I can bring to the potluck, right? Okay. You know, like, I'm going to try to uh, hold on to the best parts of this heritage that I have. Yeah. And then I can talk to somebody else who comes from a different heritage, and we can share about the things we have in common and the things that are different. And I was talking to, uh, who was your, your, uh, your rabbi was here tonight? What, uh, the, the, yeah, Dave, Dave Swanson, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was talking to him, and one of the things I, I, I am... Uh, uh, humbled. I said this. I said, you know, one of the things that I think is awesome about your religion, I don't mean like awesome the way people say, hey, your t-shirt's awesome. <laughs> I mean like awesome is uh, Mennonites and, and Amish, their 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 commitment and their uh, the, the forgiveness. The, the right, way, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that that's that's been a big part of my life because um, I, I read, years ago I read a book uh, about uh, uh, a famous punch in a basketball game of Rudy Tomjanovich, Kermit Washington punch Rudy Tomjanovich. It's not important. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the two guys' lives, lives took different paths. And in the book, they said that phrase, it's the first time I'd ever heard it, where uh, hate is like taking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, because yeah. like my whole my whole 20s and 30s were built on hate. Like yeah. my, my, my little my little fledgling career was built yeah. on, on hate. You know, yeah. it was funny as hell. Yeah. But, but you got to live with that inside. Yeah, you carry it around. And it starts to, and it, so I was like, okay, okay, let's start with the forgiveness. And, and I came to this point where, like, you know, you forgive these assholes for for you. You don't do it for them. Fuck yeah. them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, like, it's a process. Yeah, it's a it's the best revenge is to uh, yeah not carry around that stuff inside you and and exactly it's something you do for yourself. And you guys um, do it with such grace. Well, you know, I. I I'm honored that, you know, if you want to lump me into that group, uh, sure, I feel like I'm not, as, you know. <laughs> You're uh, the freaking pope uh, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it, you know, it helps to have a faith tradition that's where that holds that nonviolence and non-resistance, which is, I mean, it's not, it's different than just letting people do whatever the heck they want, right? But it is about not resisting evil with evil or not right. resisting violence with violence, Um and it, so yeah, and that's something that I'm really grateful to have grown up with because I really, I really believe in that. Um, and there are great stories like, you know, the uh, Amish community who's, well, there was that, you know, shooter a couple years ago who came in and, and the story of, of that community forgiving, yeah, you know, they, re- relating to his wife. and They and, forgave him like the next day. Yeah, they went and, and which is, I mean, and, and clearly they got it that you know their suffering and this guy's wife's suffering were not that different oh, and crazy. you know and that's just perfect and when you you know then you realize okay yeah that's the that's the hard it's a hard path but man it's the right one you know oh. so so yeah i'm like i i love that stuff like any tradition you know there's a it's not perfect and uh, there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of um things that uh have been stifling and difficult for not necessarily for me but for different people at different times but yeah overall it's a it's Get, a thing it's a thing i value good, so i'm, I'm good. yeah there you and, go and you're going a matter of fact uh we're doing this tonight because tomorrow 
you're you're playing in the uh, in, what, what are you doing over at the Mennonite Church? You're playing? I would uh, I would be at the Mennonite Church, but tomorrow morning I'm playing at a Unitarian church. Oh, okay. As a, because about once a month I'm a sub. Okay. And I lead music over there, so uh, yeah, I'll spend a little time yet. Probably tomorrow morning I'll get up and go over uh, some of those songs. Okay, so now uh, the. The Mennonite songs are they fundamentally different than the than the Unitarian songs? Um, <laughs> there's some overlap, but uh, more, more Beatles songs. <laughs> Unitarian Church, a little more Beatles songs. It's funny because they do like we do sing uh, "All You Need Is Love" as, <laughs> as the children as the children walk out, just the chorus, right? right. You know, okay. Um, and Mennonites have we do four part acapella singing. So that's something I grew up with and something, by the way, I heard really nice singing, uh, in, uh, in Costa Rica. Okay. Like those folks can really sing well. In fact, I, I think I recorded some of it on my phone. Um, I, I could probably pull that up. Um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, P- at Pittsburgh Mennonite, which is more modern, uh, we do some four part hymns and then we do, uh, some in, some songs for different parts of the world, and you know more kind of some more kind of modern songs too. And okay, and the Unitarians do some hymns, even more modern stuff. And of course, lyrically, their songs have been you know stripped of a lot of the more uh, Christian language, more typical Christian language that you would find in yeah. in Mennonite hymns, because uh, Unitarians are trying to be open to a, to a pretty wide variety of folk. I believe uh, so, <laughs> I believe Homer Simpson said, I'll eat my hat if that's the one true way. <laughs> but they are very nice people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mel Brooks is a Unitarian. Well, that's, you know, I... No, Which Unit- is crazy. He's not a Jew. He's a Unitarian. <laughs> well, yeah, Unitarians are awesome. I mean, you can, you can believe almost anything and be Unitarian, and that's... Uh, that's good. I, <laughs> yeah. mean, I mean, for the most part, it's... Uh, it allows you to welcome lots of people without a lot of stipulations. I probably the only thing you know, you can't be is like you know, uh, Unitarians have low tolerance for intolerant people. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we will not tolerate uh, intolerance. We can't just... <laughs> Why don't you play us a song? I'll play a song, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then then we'll talk about how you came to play music. That's sure. Um, and I I might do. This very churchy song, please. Since we've been talking about all this churchy stuff, and if there's one thing this podcast needs, it is some, <laughs> some churchiness up yeah. in here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna bring the Jesus right here. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> and this song was really inspired by the Syrian refugee crisis. And if you grow up as someone coming from a little more out of the mainstream Christian tradition, and then you hear a lot of the kinds of things that get spouted by people claiming to follow jesus it kind of makes your head explode um because we are talking about the guy who was like love your enemies and then you get from there to the like let's just bomb our enemies i mean we could love them but wouldn't bombing them be better <laughs> you could be republican for primary candidate. That, that there's a platform i know and so you can spend a lot of time thinking like, how do you get from there to there? This just seems <laughs> weird. Um, so in the case of Syrian refugees, you know, how do you get from, uh, uh, I was hungry and you fed me, you know, like the, the parable of the sheep and the goats, which is this parable Jesus told on the Sermon on the Mount, I think. Okay. 
I don't. I should look that up because I'm probably getting it wrong. You're the expert here. I. I. Anyway, Jesus told a parable in which he talked about those who had followed or not followed uh, faithfully, and surprisingly, it wasn't about right belief. It wasn't about these people believed in my resurrection and therefore they are blessed. And these people, you know, it's actually about um, about doing mitzvahs, right? It's, right. A, it's about you know, I was I was hungry and you fed me. I was all, and all these things. And then on the other side, uh, you know, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. And there and the people on that side are like, well, we didn't know it was you. I mean, if we knew it was you, <laughs> <laughs> like, couldn't you like drop the hint or something? <laughs> so shibboleth. <laughs> so anyway, um, thinking about Syrian refugees and the fact that there were lots of people, even from supposedly Christian sources, saying like we should keep these people out. They might be terrorists right? right you know which is anyway so that's what all right saying. bring it there's a book some of us pray from with the message that we stray from Standing right before our eyes Jesus in disguise Lofty songs sung on the weekend Don't last long once trouble sets in But that comes as no surprise To Jesus in disguise Master, when did we see you And not clothe you and not feed you If we had known we would have tried if only you had given us a sign hiding there in plain sight a hell it's just a courtyard behind the wall around a safe heart we built so tall it blocks the light tell us when did we see you and not help or even greet you how were we supposed to trust You did not look or sound like us Lock the doors Who's left outside In that book Some try to follow You'll find a truth That's hard to swallow 
He was right before our eyes. Jesus in disguise, standing there in plain sight. Nice. And so that's fairly new. That's my newest song. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. from. Um, late November last year. Okay, cool. Yeah. So now you said the 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 Mennonites sing a cappella. Yeah. I so I grew up singing uh, parts in church, which is actually really helpful for music later, like yeah. singing harmonies. And it was just a you know a church full of regular folks, farmers and whatever, and you know that for many years they had believed that instruments were bad so they didn't have them at the by the time i came along the mennonite church i attended had a had a piano okay um but they still you know they previous to having pianos uh they had had song a cappella for you know 100 years or more i guess probably more but uh so <laughs> <laughs> so anyway well, that's, that's an interesting question do you know how old Mennonite does Mennonite go back to goes back Germany? To, uh hmm yeah but Mennonites and Amish split up. I want to say in the 1600s. It might have been the 1500s. We One could, of them was we could Google. Yoko. It. Uh, <laughs> no, I think Amish split off from Mennonites because they felt that uh, Mennonites were not strict enough about the ban, and that's that's the shunning thing. That's like the, oh okay, where you know how do you discipline people who aren't? Um, and there was a guy named Jakob Amon. And he was the Amon was the Amish. Oh, that's where, so, so it was like Amish. there was like a guy. Okay, but Mennonites and Amish are notorious for throughout the history, you know, splitting up over little things like, uh, you know, can you have buttons on your plain coat or should it be hooks and eyes? <laughs> you know, can you have, you know, do you paint your bumpers black on your buggies or you know, like this? Uh, and even my beachy Amish relatives, I had an uncle and an aunt living in a house, and. You know, if you saw them, you would think, like, these two people are essentially identical. You know, they would probably believe the same stuff. And my uncle attends one church where they believe it's not okay to, you know, accept Social Security. So he doesn't cash his Social Security check. I don't even know if he gets one. Right. And But my aunt attends a different church, you know, a lot far from there, and, and she cashes her Social Security check. So. Hmm. Will he eat the, will he eat the food that the, the shoe fly <laughs> prepared with money by her check? I don't how know. How far down? I don't know how that works. Um <laughs> Uh, that's so. that's uh, that's hilarious. It is, you know. But anyway, <laughs> all religions are they, hilarious. They, they are, they are as they should be. Um, and yet, I think the underlying principle is a good one, and that is that, like, you kind of sure. you got to draw a line. Like, what are you going to go along with, and what are you not going to go along with? And if you don't think about that and draw a line, then you just go along with everything. Um, where you put that line is ultimately. A little arbitrary, right? Like my uncle Sanford, who doesn't own a radio but is listening to uh, Voice of America news right. on his computer because he now he can stream. He doesn't need a radio. So when yeah. I was in Israel <laughs> yeah. um, on on Shabbat, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to deal with money or touch money. Sure. So there was a street beggar mm-hmm. who had a plastic glove on, right? <laughs> yeah. So he could, he could still yeah. work on yeah. Shabbos but not touch the money. Uh, and and as a matter of fact, you know, the uh, Jews, the big thing is uh, a cheeseburger is no good. You can't mix milk and meat. Right, and the reason is because it says uh, 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 you shall not do not boil a kid in its mother's milk, which they say is gross. Whatever. Yeah. But but 
that's a far line from a cheeseburger. And so I always used to argue with my dad. So, Dad, what's the big deal about a cheeseburger? It's not like I'm boiling a kid in his brother's milk. And, and he gives this, you know, he pet backpedals and yeah, blah, 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 yeah, the yeah. rabbis over the years. But he, but essentially what he says is this is where the line is. They mm-hmm. say you do not mix milk and meat. And because if, you, if, if our line is way over here, you're never going to accidentally boil a kid. Right. And I'm like, well, okay, that's bullshit, but whatever. Because <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I would always ask, we would always ask these questions. Well, wait, because one meal has to be, if you have a, a, a meat meal, you can't have any dairy at it. Yeah. And then, but if you have another, so then you always ask the question, well, wait, what if dessert, what if the brownie has whipped cream on it for dessert? Like, how, what's the difference? And then, uh, uh, so the rabbi Can you have, have a brownie with whipped cream? No. At, no. Okay. Six hours. Six hours. Right? I, don't quote me on the actual yeah. time, but but, but, it's, but it's a time. Did you know that a couple miles from here in a, a, a neighborhood called Squirrel Hill? Yeah, the Jews. Was, yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, a large Jewish population in Squirrel Hill, and we have a kosher Dunkin' Donuts. Really? Yeah. They don't fry in lard. Uh, so, so the question is, how do you get a kosher Dunkin' Donuts? I don't know. You know uh, and, and the biggest issue is the breakfast sandwiches, right? right with all the ham and the bacon's, yeah, right? But also because the breakfast sandwiches would typically have like a sausage patty with a cheese with cheese on it. And the answer is, you use all veggie meat. That's disgusting. <laughs> okay. So the ham sausage is. Is, right. is all veg, you know, it's like a soy product or something, which okay. means the vegetarians go there too, but... Uh... No, okay. Like, what? whatever gets people through the day. Like, there was a time when I would rail against that, but now I'm just like, hey, you know, it's it, it's a hard world. Whatever, whatever gets you through, just stay out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, let, so what I was getting at is, uh, when did you pick up the guitar and was this of, of, of a cause for consternation? No, it was not. Although, interestingly, among the folks I was just hanging out with in Costa Rica... There is some consternation that the one church now has people singing with guitar in the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not like major consternation, but some. <laughs> I think we could say light consternation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little Maybe. strings, not like. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> Next can... thing you know, they'll grow mustaches to go with those beards. <laughs> um, but I I started guitar. In eighth grade, I went to Eastern Mennonite High School. That was the first year I went to Eastern Mennonite High School, private, you know, church-affiliated high school. My dad taught there part-time, and uh, everyone took a, a quarter class called guitar. Okay. And so, every, like, my, you know, all the, my whole class took guitar, I think it might have been guitar one or whatever. It was just, yeah. like, you know, it was the kind of thing where you did, like, typing for a quarter and guitar for a quarter, maybe Spanish. It was, like, you know, kind of a hodgepodge. And... So, yeah, I've been playing guitar ever since. Okay. And, uh, you know, I already played. I, I was playing saxophone in the band. And right. I still still play sax. Now, you, you play the soprano sax. I do play soprano sax, yeah. Or is there a difference between that and a cornet? A cornet is a trumpet. Oh. A cornet is a... But it doesn't a, look like that? Well, you're thinking of a clarinet. No, I know what a clarinet looks like. Okay. <laughs> but, I deserve, but I deserve that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Actually, uh, a soprano sax is really close to a clarinet. Okay. It's not, I mean, closer to a clarinet. It looks like a brass instrument, but it's a woodwind. Yeah, because it's got a reed. It's got a reed. But all saxophones are woodwinds, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is it this, it's the same fingering as an alto or a tenor? The or... same, yeah, they're all fingered the same. Um, essentially, if you blow the really high, cool notes that I can't really do, um, then those are... You kind of have to learn those individually, horn by horn. Okay. Um, but when you play soprano, you can already play high enough that, you know, altissimo isn't really... So do you own a tenor? Or a... I don't. I I, um, I studied in Germany for a year when I was in college. Wow. It was in the late 80s. It's weirder than that, actually. I studied in East Germany for a year. Really? Yeah. While it was still communist. 
Wow, what was that like? It was crazy. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was a great way to learn German because sure. I was living with, uh, you know, I was in, I was like 21. I think I had, I think I turned 22 when I was there. Um, and I basically, it was like a fourth of what, of five years of college for me. And I really wanted to learn a language well. And I found out from my school's German teacher about this program where the East German government gave scholarships to people uh and you could study they give scholarships to western students um okay presumably at least with the interest of like politicizing some of them to be favorably inclined towards the german democratic republic all right if not to outright recruit a few spies (laughs) (laughs) um oh you could have ended up a spy or maybe you are well i the story I tell, uh, which, I mean, this happened, but it, it just almost feels made up to me. Go on. Is that, so I, sh- I showed up and, um, you know, I was very isolated. Like, I couldn't, like, call home. There was no internet uh, in 88, 89. Right. And I would go over to West Berlin to call my parents, but I, I would do that, like, once a month or like something. Like, through Checkpoint Charlie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or one of the other checkpoints. And I had to get, I had this visa which required me to get... You know, do paperwork so that I could leave and come back every time. Every time, yeah. Ugh. I can show you the passport with all the little stamps. I had to like go to the university and fill out a form and triplicate, and then take it down to the police station. And that is that's exactly what I think of East Germany yeah. being like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just all the bureaucracy. a whole lot of whole lot of triplicate. Um, and of course, they had this amazing system of spying on everybody, and like in every context, you know, people knew that somebody was was listening. Right. Um, which made them, you know, pretty very guarded and very cynical. Um, so anyway, when I first showed up, I made a Russian friend, Pavel, mm-hmm. and my German sucked at that point, and it was great to talk to him um, because his his German was very clean and easy to understand, and he was helpful. And we had interesting conversations about you know, things like peace and east-west conflicts and and he knew that one of the reasons i had come there was because um as a christian and a pacifist i wanted to know people who were on the other side of this conflict so you know i believed in like love your enemies and so like you should probably know some of them and these you know so i i that was one of the things that one of the reasons i decided to study in the east instead of the west and he knew that I was very critical of different things my government had done in terms of, you know, interfering with other countries, sovereign, whatever's, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we had interesting conversations. Yeah. But, but it wasn't as if I was like, you couldn't like live in East Germany and be like, well, this is like way better. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank goodness somebody's getting it right. You know, like that that was not. So long story short, uh, you know, we kind of developed a friendship and I was probably naive. Uh, At a certain point, um, we were out having a meal and which, you know, typically he he would pay for meals if we went out. And I which I didn't think twice about because he I knew that he got about twice as much play money every month to spend as I did because he was like the president of the Soviet student organization. Oh, sure, yeah. And, you know, every month you get, depending, you know, who you are and whatever, uh, you get different amounts of of 
money to spend. Yeah. Um, what, and, that's Bernie Sanders America. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my Russian friend Pavel asked me the following two questions. Question number one, how far would I go to impede something that the CIA or FBI was going to do, which I felt was wrong? Right. Oh, yeah. Interesting hypothetical question. Sure. <laughs> Coming from your Russian friend when right. you're sending his Berlin, it raises a few. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah. So I I was like, I didn't answer it because I was so, you know, I was, yeah, just like that face. Yeah. That face you just made. Was, yeah. yeah. So I was like, what do you mean by that, Pavel? And here was the follow-up okay. question. The follow-up question was, um, would I be interested in meeting with someone from the Soviet embassy who might have ideas about how the American peace movement could be more effective? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, my response was, no, no thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. You could have been a spy. You Maybe. You could have ended up in a gulag or a, or a federal who knows? prison who knows I, I they would have given you a wife over there well the the other weird thing was much a couple weeks earlier that was probably like 10 weeks in or 12 weeks into my time there um and and earlier like in the first couple weeks i was there he had invited me to a, you know just a student party in somebody's room and mm-hmm. they were drinking and smoking and eating food and um, i tried you know to speak german with people and it was hard cuz yeah. german was so bad but i remember Pavel had said to me, oh, like, you should get to know, uh, you know, the one Russian girl over there. Like, she thinks you're cute or something. Ah. <laughs> and at the time, so, and I had already decided, I mean, I was studying with these uh, East Germans who, they, they were studying English, but they had never been to an English, English-speaking country, obviously, because okay. there was no English-speaking country they could travel to. Right. And, uh, um. And as far as they knew, they might never get to go to an English-speaking right. country. Like, you could, maybe, like, as a retiree, you could go, possibly, if you had family to visit. Or, supposing you, you know, studied English and, and taught at a university, and then, you know, you made a proposal, like, I want to go study in Britain for a semester, and you left behind, like, a wife and a kid. Yeah, so you wouldn't, so, right, yeah. so, so then, you know, they might get to. But in general, there you know, if, if you're just going to be a school teacher like a school like you might you're going to teach this language and you might never get to go to a country where they speak it that was you know the situation so i'd already decided like okay i'm not going to get romantically involved with anybody because it's just too loaded to be someone's you know boyfriend and also be someone's like potential ticket yeah out. right meal t- yeah yeah green like card. chance to see italy or you know right. like that's just too <laughs> <laughs> They have some nice sculptures. Yeah, there. yeah. So, so I didn't think about it at the time, but in hindsight, I wonder, like, ooh, was like, was that part of the plan? Like, the, right. Ooh. So, <laughs> anyway, which tells me I, now I know what song I should play next. Good. Um, Perfect. Uh, this is a song I've been back a couple times. Uh, a song that'll be on the next record. All right. Which I hope to release. Which I will release. Yes. Later this year. It's official. What's going to be called? It's going to be called "Somewhere in the Constellation." Somewhere in the Constellation. Um, but this song is in part about going back to East Germany. and uh, Which so, is now just called Germany. It's now just called Germany, yeah. yeah. Now it's Eastern Germany. Well, um, no, do you notice big difference? It's, is, is it more colorful? It's more colorful, sure. Uh, and Berlin is crazy because like, there's these large parts of land where there used to be uh, you know, walls and, right. and the no man's land in between. And, and most of that is just entirely gone. So there's 
it's very disorienting if you knew what it was like when there was a wall there. That's really awesome that and you that, got to go there. Yeah. That you, that you have that yeah. as a memory. And I learned, I, mean, I learned so much more German because I was just, it, it was, I think, emotionally harder. But I was so immersed and isolated, you know, like in terms of just having very little contact with English in my day-to-day. Yeah. Um, and my, yeah, and I'm still, you know, I'm Facebook friends with at least... The cute Russian girl? No, oh. I don't know what happened to her. Uh, <laughs> um, but at least three of the people I lived with, I'm Facebook friends with, and then there's a fourth who I Skype with sometimes. Is nice. Not, not, so yeah, I still, you know, I'm I'm grateful every day that I learned another language. Yeah, that's an as amazing well as experience. I did. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, All right, play me this. So song. here's a song. Here's a song about going back. train in a country I was leaving and she may have smiled at me or that might be wishful thinking anyway I won't see her again and you can't call a stranger a friend On a street in a town where I speak the language well enough to know that I'm not home. I laugh at half the jokes so I can tell that I've been here before. But that country's not here. I was trying to be free, trying to be kind, I'm just trying to be me, so I hope that you don't mind if I sing here on your street in a language you don't speak, stalking poetry. Every gray apartment building's just a giant concrete filing cabinet For childhoods and family stories Of people I don't know at all And at any given moment Surely someone must be feeling Every kind of human feeling Somewhere in between those walls There's a church on the square that they finally rebuilt after the war Using stones that they sorted 
from the rubble Now the old stone is black as the smoke While the new stone is yellow as gold Underneath they're both the same Pieced together old and new In a city after war Everyone can see your wounds So I sing here on your street In a language you don't speak I'm stalking poetry again I was trying to be free Trying to be kind Stalking poetry So I hope that you don't mind If I sing here on your street In a language you don't speak Stalking And what's that called? That's called Stalking Poetry. All right. The city in the last verse is Dresden. Oh, okay. Which, of course, the U.S. Firebombed. Firebombed pretty much flat and destroyed, you know, a ton of really gorgeous architecture. Uh, And the East German government decided there was a palace that they decided to just leave flat. Um, But they did eventually uh, start to rebuild the one the cathedral okay and apparently it has you know they were able to use some kind of computer modeling and and use a bunch of the stones okay but then some they had to replace so it's this weird sort of old and new old and new and and the the old has are are dark because the city was a smoky right industrial town and then the new is this like sandstone that they quarried from somewhere but oh cool or not i'm not sure if it's sandstone but in any case it's like i think it's like a maybe like a yellow limestone or something right anyway there you go so so you grew up listening to uh you know church music acapulco church music (laughs) acapella (laughs) (laughs) and um and then you pick up the guitar in eighth grade and take you know they teach you polly wally doodle or or whatever that kind of thing and i and i listen to you know um I, I listened to some Beatles and, and other stuff earlier than that. Oh, okay. You know, uh, Do your dad have that stuff in the house? Your parents have that stuff in the no, house? No, I, I I checked some stuff out of the public library Ooh. on vinyl. Like, you know, um, Elton John's Greatest Hits Volume 1 comes to mind. All right. And my brother, who was a little more rebellious, was maybe a lot more rebellious than me, he was very, um, you know, he knew a lot about music stuff. And, okay. And... My younger brother and I, I remember also that I would like clandestinely listen to the you know the weekly top thirty or whatever it was like a radio show on the weekend. Oh, like Casey Kasem or whatever. That, yeah, yeah, you know, and um, 
And there was a <laughs> you know what? It's it's not very many people that get to get to call that a radical act. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. In hindsight, who knew? Yeah. Um, but there were some cool, you know, like the cars were were sure. having hits back then. Um, and I remember, you know, it's a bright pink car on the cover of that record. Yeah, I definitely didn't own the record, yeah. but I heard the songs on the radio. It was a dark colored car. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Would have been okay. Um, and there was a time when uh, we had gotten a Steve Martin comedy album, uh, or maybe we just had like the King Tut single or something. You know? All right, and that yeah. was very funny. And then we bought a comedy record, and it was it had a lot of like off color stuff. On oh it. yeah. And my parents were not, you know, cool with that, so we swapped it with a neighbor kid. For the ELO double album, Out of the Blue. Okay. Uh, which is awesome, actually. I'm not I familiar mean, with that record. It's It has, uh, you know, uh, Sweet Talking Woman and... Okay, the, and, the hits. And, yeah. and uh, a bunch of... Yeah. Yeah. And it's super poppy, but it's, like, really catchy. And so and that was okay, because, I mean, like, what's not... There's nothing objectionable, really. Well, depending on where you come from, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How big a Wilburys yeah. fan you are. <laughs> but anyway, so... Uh, and then... Oddly enough, we had the first that Dylan had his like two album Christian period. Oh right, yeah, two and, or three records. That was an embarrassing time. I was glad I glad I wasn't a Dylan fan. It, but back although then. the first record's pretty great, Saved or no, um, Slow Train Coming. Slow Train Coming's good record. Yeah, it's a good record. I mean, some of the lyrics are a little painful, but um, <laughs> but he's got Mark Knopfler playing guitar yeah. on the whole record, and that was okay, you know, and like. God gave names to all the animals, and uh, if you think of that as a children's song, I can live with it. Yeah. I think other, if, if you think of that as a grown-up song, it yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. Yeah. But anyway, so you know, there was some stuff that I also remember. Oddly enough, in the you know, like being a a, a kid in a Mennonite high school, and like early U two was kind of okay to listen to. Oh, they were Christians they as were, well. They were Christians as well. And man, like uh, War, I remember, you know, I was a junior in high school and I got War for Christmas, the U2 album War. And I just loved that so much. I mean, and there was like in the like Mennonite Youth magazine, there was a positive review of, I'm pretty sure it was War. You okay. Know? Which is, I mean, it's a brilliant album. So, yeah. Um, so that, I think, you know, gave me a sense that, all right, you could like do something with this tradition that you come up in you know you weren't just kind of stuck with it okay in a static way like you could take values and stories and pieces and so when did you start writing songs i remember oddly enough i remember writing songs way before i played guitar i remember being like a kid on the bus in second grade or third grade and like making up little songs and me too but they weren't christian songs yeah I mean, they weren't yeah i don't i don't know that they were Mine either focused on pp yeah. <laughs> it's a theme it's a theme but um and then, you know, when I started playing guitar, I learned a bunch of, actually a bunch of songs from that book right there, that like Sing and Rejoice songbook. Oh, right, yeah. That uh, was, you know, had a bunch of, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of like folky stuff and some international stuff and like slightly jazz stuff and um, it was kind of cool. Okay. Uh, and then I, you know, I wrote some stuff that, you know, some of it was kind of churchy, but some of it wasn't. Um, but then I, I, I really wrote more songs you know, I went to college and got up, ended up with music and German degrees, and it really like musically, I'd really puttered in that I had done, you know, some voice and some sax, 
if you get a music degree, they they make you write too. They make it's part yeah, of yeah, composition. some of that. Yeah, and I I did a my senior recital had some stuff I had written, like okay. some choral stuff and some jazz stuff. But um, I'd really dabbled is what I had done. Sure. And and, and uh, you know the music faculty at the time, like they weren't really gonna keep me around. But they, where'd you go, Penn State? I went to Goshen College, it's a little Mennonite college in northern Indiana. Okay. So anyway, um. So it was after college when I didn't, you know, like I had a music and German degree and I had no idea what I was going to do. Yeah. And, but, and that's sort of, I, I wrote a bunch of songs. Music and German degree, you could, you could call up Kraftwerk and see if they need their hiring. <laughs> I did end up working at a summer camp for 10 summers where kids learn German and leading singing and teaching songs. So okay. I, I know a bunch of super random, you know. Uh, the sound of music must have been fun. <laughs> you know, I know a bunch of super random, like, Sing silly German camp songs. Uh, you know, like a, <laughs> one day that'll come in handy. What do you got? Meine Biebe haben Fieber, oh die Armen. Will sich keiner denn den armen Tieren erbarmen? Meine Biebe haben Fieber, Fieber schreit der Farmdirektor Sieber. Hätte ich selber lieber Fieber und den Biebern ginge es gut. <laughs> and and so, so yeah yeah so silly camp song it's my beavers have fever oh the poor ones okay you know yeah. poor animals yeah. poor won't anyone show mercy on the poor beavers <laughs> the, on the poor animals the poor, right yeah my my beavers have fever said farm director Zebra. Oh, of course. Zebra, right. Yeah. If if only I had a fever and my beavers would be okay. You know, like the farm director feels yes, I, 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 feels I, I, such responsibility. I'm that, getting it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic. It is. You know? it is, it is that, 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 there's a, that yeah. there's a hit. So oh. I did I did that, you know, and then I, you know, I, uh, yeah, I did different stuff. I, so, okay, so you, you graduated with a music and German degree, and then it's like a what, like, uh, when do you become like a? I'm gonna be a songwriter. I'm gonna be. This is. This I is just started writing a lot of to. songs, and then, um, yeah, I started writing a lot of songs, and then I, I, I put out my first. I put out a cassette release. Yeah, you and I are old guys. We have cassettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in 1992. Oh, you beat me by three years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and another one in '94, I think. Okay. And then the first CD in like '97, I guess. Right. So. So yeah, and it you know, it was always something I did, and um, I guess it, you know, like I did other stuff too. But I, I've been really lucky that for twenty some years I've had music as half to somewhere between half and two thirds of yeah, my livelihood. And and you're you're an impresario now. You're you're you're, <laughs> you're no, I mean, we, we, you put on this uh, musical chairs concert series in your in your in, in your house here, and it's mm-hmm. beautiful. This, yeah. this, would you call this a Victorian? This place is fucking huge. It's a it's an enormous house. It was built in nineteen oh something, so yeah. I think it's probably post Victorian. But uh, yeah, and that's kind of sheer luck that I ended up as the forty percent owner of this house. Yeah, four, four of us bought it. 11 years ago. Sweet. And it had been owned by a nonprofit that was needed to be disbanded. And, and you said you said, we went briefly through it was it was it was a place where it was it was a funeral home? So it was it was a super mansion first. It was right. built, built by people in 190 something who for a couple of decades 
had more money than they knew what to do with. And right. That wore off, as it yeah. tends to. <laughs> um, usually it's a temporary state. Yes. And then, uh, you know, a couple other families owned it, and then it was a funeral home. Uh, and the funeral home painted all this beautiful woodwork green, lime green, and then it was it was bought, and actually Pittsburgh Mennonite Church met here for a decade. Nice. And a bunch of those church members stripped the lime green paint back off the wood. Okay. God bless them. <laughs> so, and... Uh, and and they forgave the funeral parlor. Yeah, yeah. And then they moved on, and then it was the Pittsburgh Hospitality House, and was a nonprofit where people coming to town to visit relatives in local prisons could stay inexpensively. So probably lots of states do this, but Pennsylvania, you know, has a nasty habit of not always. You know, people get sentenced to jail, and they end up in a jail like on the whole other side of the state. Yes. Yeah. Um, and if you, it's a family member. So anyway, that's what, that's what happened here. For, oh, so when it was the Mennonite church, that's when they took down the stained glass. Yeah. The, the Mennonite church, uh, in probably like 79 or 80 or 81 or something, there was a stained glass nude on the, on the landing. And, and have you seen pictures of this? No, I have never seen a picture, but they, you know, they probably got several thousand dollars for it even back then. Oh, we need to find this yeah. and get it back. <laughs> this is the quest. Yeah. Well, I kind of like, you know, the clear glass is nice. You get a nice view of the backyard. Stained glass nude. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it slowly for you. Stained <laughs> glass, glass nude. nude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. It was like Harold Miller or someone who was just like, well, this has got to go. Oh, Harold. Because <laughs> they would have like walked up and down past it on the way to, I think they did Sunday school on the second floor. So anyway, I four of us bought it when the nonprofit dissolved in 2004. And then, That's a commitment, buying, buying a house with like randos and not like he, a wife. Um, yeah, but, you know, we were able to, you know, we just got a mortgage as a, as a business partnership, and sure. then in the, in the intervening years, two of those partners have sold, and the last time that happened, my parents were kind enough to loan me some money, Sweet. so I could buy up to forty percent. Because I'm thinking, like, it's not like I have a retirement fund, you know. Like this, I'm this, familiar. this folk music thing is not. You just need a place I haven't to live. like squirreled it away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, and this is a part, you know, a part of my ability to do lots of music stuff involves living, you had, living cheap. You could have had millions of Deutschmarks or whatever they use there. Oh, in the east. yeah. They had, uh, yeah. Oddly enough, I could when I went over to the West, you could buy East German currency like really cheap. And I think I did that a couple times and like smuggled it in, which was, you know, if I had gotten like totally strip searched down to like, you know, that, right. that would have been bad. But Do you feel because you were American, they fucked with you less? Um, well, I mean, they, they totally watched me and read my mail and whatever, you know, like I, and I should, sometime I should, you can, you can fill out paperwork to see your Stasi file. Oh yeah. Um, and I know they read my mail because a couple of times I got letters from home and would pull, would open the envelope and pull the letter out and like a piece of the letter would rip and be sticking to the inside of an envelope. And that do, that doesn't happen if you just like put a letter in an envelope and lick it and seal it. Right. It happens if you steam it open and then glue it back. Oh, they would actually go to the trouble of gluing it back. Oh yeah. Rather than just like here, here's your open mail. <laughs> yeah, like we read your mail. <laughs> yeah. No, they would glue it back. Oh, that's that's kind that's of. That's a you know, it's a nice touch. Actually, when I saw there's that um, German film that won an Oscar. Oh, it's been a while. 
but it's since 2000. It's Das Leben der Anderen. It's The Lives of Others. Okay. And it's a film about East Germany. And um, and in that movie, there's a, a scene of the mach- of the machine that, like, mass steamed open mail. The mass mail steamer opener. The mass mail steamer opener. And I'm Which like, I'm sure is there's a German word for that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one word, too. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, you know that's may or may not have been the same machine. It seemed to open my mail, but it was at least. I did not know this about you. I'm so happy yeah. we got to talk because that is that is an excellent, amazing piece of your story. It, I, I, it I, is pretty wacky. Yeah, um, I thought that like how could we top the the the, the beachy Amish? But it turns out yeah. <laughs> we did good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think how that connects to a song. It doesn't have to. No, it doesn't we have to. we were talking about uh, getting back to the present and this house. Yeah, um, it's really been a blessing to have ended up as the co-owner of this house. Uh, a, it helps me live inexpensively, but also that first floor space I've done, I've like recorded a ton in there. I can put on house concerts like we had tonight. Uh, you were great, by the way. Oh, so thanks. thanks so much for playing a song. And um, you know, it's a place to practice in, and you know, store instruments and. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. I just I just hope you never have to replace the window. That, yeah. that window is huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, there's a, there's a bunch of crazy big windows. Yeah, those are, those are not going to be cheap. Yeah, and I've had also you know lots of my random musician friends have crashed there over the years. Nice. There's one down there now. There, yeah, Devin Sproul staying on my first floor. Yep. So uh, so let's uh, let's wrap up with uh, um, a song with a song. Yeah. So so uh, you got uh, this is you got anything coming up in April? Anything exciting? I have well. Um, I'm playing the last Saturday of this month and next month at a place called Biddle's Escape. Okay. Um, and, which is just a local coffee shop. Sure. Here uh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm working on the album. Maybe I'll play the title song from the album to okay. close. And, and the bradyoder.com? Bradyoder.com. And uh, there's a there's an open mic I host on the third Tuesday at a place called Hambones. Nice. Which is a nice mixture of all kinds of, you know. Open mic crazy. Yeah, I see your pictures from there. You you, you post them like yeah. I try all to... sorts of a weird scene. Seems like yeah. There's, there's lots of you know just the whole gamut of uh, but but good stuff. You should check out my friend Brad Yoder. He he was almost a spy for the for the Soviets <laughs> for the so I could have I could have ended report... up with that cute Russian girl. I could have reported to them about uh, the American. I, I I don't think I would have been very useful, but it probably would have been. <laughs> like, is this guy still on the payroll? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> he comes to us. It turns out he comes to us with, with these weird Mennonite stories. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Apparently the, uh, the the decadent Americans aren't as decadent as we thought. They won't even wear buttons. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and, you know, of course, predictably, one of my housemates from that year worked for the Stasi. But, like, all the other, everyone knew who, which one it was. Okay. And they all hated him. So I was like kind of the, and he was, he was like really socially awkward. You know, it was it was obvious that he'd been recruited. You, this is an amazing sitcom. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it, oh, it could have been. It could have been. House it it or... kind of was a sitcom. And so the odd thing was that I mean they probably put me in there with him, with that specific group of people, because he was already there and like it was his job to kind of like befriend me and keep an eye on me or whatever. Um, <laughs> but. And the, the everyone else who had lived with him, they already lived with him one year, and uh, and they were all kind of friends, and they had they had pretty much decided to shun him. So I was, you're an old hand at shunning. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I have a handbook. That's right. <laughs> no, I was actually like sort of the only guy who was like nice to him, oh, okay. which was sort of ironic. Cause, right. Like, he was supposed to be spying on me, but he was he was pretty sad. I mean, like as a spy, as 
people spying on you go, it was like, it was pretty. Or was he? <laughs> it was pretty transparent. So anyway, and, and, and yeah. Anyway, that's hilarious. That's great. So, so play us out with a song. It's been my pleasure. This was this was such thanks, a fun. Thanks, talk, Adam. Right? Yeah, super fun. This has been a blast. Um, and thanks for letting me sleep at your house because otherwise I sure. have to sleep in my car. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Andromeda shines bright, a moonless night. It's hard to miss her. She's a galaxy, a new tattoo. She's made of glowing ceiling stickers. I heard you got a contact high Hanging out with some famous guy Who am I to criticize? We all take what we can get Lately have come to realize And it's a kind of liberation I'm not the brightest in the sky but I'm somewhere in the constellation We're all born with ancient brains From back when we hunted on the plains And though an awful lot has changed We still chase the things we taste Salt, sugar, sex, starch, fat, and love we crave all of the above And it feels right when we find them But we can never get enough Orion's belt's got loops That the hunter never uses And the dippers, they're just scoops For extra stars strewn all about Extra stars that hang around Hoping someday they might count They're not holding down the corners They're just filling in the background So you could love me, you may not Anyway, I'll take my shot Really, what else could go wrong? You're already in this song So if I sing it from afar It's to remind me of my station Cause I'm not the brightest star I'm just somewhere in Orion's belt Sky loops that the hunter never uses And the dippers, they're just scoops For extra stars strewn all about We're the stars that hang around Hoping someday we'll be found We're not holding down we're just filling in the background Ooh.
So you got a contact tie Hanging out with that famous guy I don't need to wonder why We all get what we can take Though I may never be the star That points you to your destination Look up anywhere you are I'll be somewhere in the constellation I may never be the star That points you to your destination But look up anywhere you are I'll be somewhere in the constellation Somewhere in the constellation Somewhere in the constellation That is a really great song. I really like that. Thanks so much, That's man. terrific. I, I can't wait. That'll, that'll be on the new record. That'll be on the new record. Out. Yeah, mid-year. It's going to be huge. If not, we'll forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't. Brad Yoder. And we are clear. Cool. That was super fun.